The Fanboy, episode 95. Hi everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is episode 95 of the Fanboy Podcast. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, yes, the video version of the show is back, for those of you who like to watch it in video format. The last two episodes I did audio only, but for those of you who like to stare at my mug for some reason, hi, nice to see you. The video version is back. But okay, you know, let's get right on into what we have to discuss today, because I have a feeling this is going to be a sort of short-ish episode. The reasons are twofold. One, it's been kind of a slow news week. It's been kind of a slow news cycle these last couple of weeks, really, unless you want to talk about, you know, Endgame or Far From Home, which I did a lot of on the Revengers podcasts. So really, it's been kind of a slow news week or two. And on top of that, I just poured a bunch of thought power, a lot of energy into the State of the DC Union report that I just published on RevengeOfTheFans.com, which a bunch of you are actively, presently, currently checking it out, and you're giving me your feedback, and I love hearing back from you and answering your questions, so I look forward to, to hearing what the response is to my take on where things are in the worlds of DC. But, you know, really, there, there, beyond that, there's not a ton of ground to cover today, so this is probably going to be on the shorter side, but let's make it count okay so just to, to sort of follow up on my state of the union address which if you have not yet read it just to kind of recap for you you know a bunch of you have been asking for updates i've been asking for news i've been asking for anything you can get about dc projects because you know the last couple of weeks you know it's been a lot of heavy marvel stuff the, the the whole world seems to be focused on avengers endgame and then the spider-man far from home trailer came out earlier this week and everyone's talking about the multiverse and spider-man and coming up with all their theories about that then on the other end, you know, things on the DC end have not been as satisfying as all that, right? Because a couple of weeks ago, someone started the rumor that we were about to hear who the Batman actor was, but then we found out that that announcement is unlikely to happen anytime soon, that they're still sort of waiting on when to announce that, which by the way, I think part of the reason why they're delaying it is because of the way Avengers Endgame is performing. It's because of the way that Marvel Studios is so thoroughly monopolizing pop culture's attention right now. I think they're kind of waiting for this Marvel wave to sort of come to a close before they hit us with anything. And remember, this Marvel wave ain't ending until mid-July. Because that's when Spider-Man Far From Home comes out, you know, that first week. And then, you know, the next week or two is going to be talking about that movie. And then what happens at the end of July? San Diego Comic-Con. So kind of put that on your radar because it really seems like DC is waiting for the summer. They're waiting for Comic-Con and waiting for that time of year to finally drop some megaton hammers on us. Because right now, I think they realize that Marvel kind of has the high ground right now because of the fact that Avengers Endgame has made like $2 billion or is about to make $2 billion. I haven't been keeping track of all the numbers, but I know it's doing astronomically well. And it's only been out for two and a half weeks. And they're about to enter their third frame and they're probably going to win their third weekend too. So, you know, I really do think that DC has kind of seen that. 
and they realized to drop any information now is to risk have, having it get totally swallowed up by this Marvel tsunami that's happening right now. So they're, they're wisely going to hang on to that for a little bit. But then there's also, you know, there was the some troubling story last week. I shouldn't say troubling. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. But, you know, there was that thing that I wrote about last week with Dwayne Johnson talking about maybe taking a meeting with Marvel Studios and then some other rumors sprung up that maybe he might play Submariner in that movie. And then if that happens, what happens to Black Adam over in the DC Universe? Because I don't see him doing both. But mind you, that's all rumor. That's all conjecture. Or as my as Conrad Thompson would say in one of his wrestling podcasts, that's all rumor and innuendo. Um but suffice it to say that between the huge uptick in Marvel news and all the positive wave of all this Marvel stuff happening, and then these weird things where we, you know, we had the Batman actor teased, and then we hear weird things about Dwayne Johnson maybe leaving to Marvel, you know, it, it, some of you have gotten a little anxious, and I understand why. But the state of the DC Union column I just put up is mainly there to prove one point and to hit one point home. Things are actually fine. Because if you pay attention, everything's going according to plan. Right now, we're getting two DC movies in 2019, two DC movies in 2020, two DC movies in 2021, and we already know about a bunch of the films that are coming, on be coming out beyond that. So in actuality, we're kind of right where we're supposed to be. You know, Birds of Prey is in post-production. James Gunn is casting the Suicide Squad. The promotional campaign for the Joker has kicked off. Everything's really kind of going, like, perfectly. Really, you know, if you want anything else, then that means that what you're hoping for is that they're going to get something else into production later this year that would sneak out either at the end of 2020 or somewhere in 2021. And listen, you know, that's a nice optimistic thing to hope for. But right now, even if we just stick with what we've got, we've got a lot. You know, something I pointed out in the, in the column is that people forget that Marvel didn't just come out of the gate dropping three movies a year like they do now. You know, they did two movies in 2008. They did no movies in 2009. They did one in 2010. They did two in 2012, I think. And then from there... Then it started becoming regularly two a year. Then it went up to three a year in 2017. So when you look at it that way, how much more can you really expect from DC right now? They're giving us two movies a year. They have all this incredible talent lined up. In Birds of Prey, you got Margot Robbie. You got Ewan McGregor. It's being directed by Kathy Ann. You got Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I mean, there's a lot of things to be excited about in Birds of Prey. Then you've got Wonder Woman 1984 coming out. People forget about that. Since it got delayed this year, people kind of forget that. That's going to be a big part of 2020. In theory, if Wonder Woman 1984 does anything at near as well as the first Wonder Woman did, that is going to dominate a lot of conversations right there in the center of the year, in June, kind of setting the stage for July of 2020, when then maybe they could drop a sizzle reel for next year's The Batman at that point. You know, right now, like, we're, you know, everything comes in waves, news comes in waves. Right now, we're in a quiet point, but that's okay. That's okay. There's a lot of stuff on the way. So that's why a lot of what I wrote about today wasn't so much about giving you new information, but to simply remind you that there's really not much more we're supposed to know right now. 
there's really not much more that they're not revealing to us. The things that they're not revealing to us yet are for movies that are very far off in the distance. And remember, Walter Hamada does not want to run this thing the way the previous bosses did, where they announced movies three, four years in advance, five, six, seven years, actually, because in 2014, they've released a bunch of films, a slate that ran for six years, for six years. They announced in 2014 all of their movies through 2020. And look how well that went. You know, a lot of restructuring had to happen. And a lot of what went into scheduling these productions and releasing these movies happened in, in the hyper-accelerated, overly interconnected way that got us into the jam that we ended up getting into. So Walter Hamada doesn't want to do that. He wants to make these films in a, such a way that each one gets all of the time and focus it needs and that it's not, you know, movie three of a 17 movie plan that has all these release dates already announced. You know, so I really wanted to just remind people that right now at DC Entertainment, things are happening the way they should be. Things are happening smoothly and seamlessly. Yes, I'm sure Shazam probably could and should have performed a little better, but at the end of the day, it tripled its budget, and I, you know, the expectation. I've seen some some of my followers on Twitter point and make this connection before, but you know, it's almost like the, you know, you have to assume that the expectation for a film that costs less than a hundred million to make is that since it tripled its budget, since it's based on a character that not a lot of people had, you know, household familiarity with. The expectation should be that hopefully that's just a launch pad. Remember, Batman Begins also made in the 300 millions. And then what happened? Then with the Dark Knight, things exploded. Because what it did, you know, Batman Begins sort of set the stage. Then the sequel took things bigger and farther. So people are kind of making this Batman Begins comparison when it comes to Shazam. That, yeah, okay, it didn't open huge. It didn't have a monstrous box office thing. But people liked it. Critics liked it. Fans liked it. They're already working on a sequel. Let's see how the sequel goes before we stick a fork in the Shazam experiment. And, you know, I think that is a very sound point. So really, if you pay attention to everything going on with DC Entertainment and the newly rebranded worlds of DC, we really shouldn't or can't be expecting much more than we've already gotten and are already expecting to get. Anything beyond that, really is just being kind of greedy. I hate to say it. But listen, you know, we've become entitled. I've, I've spoken about this a lot, but us as fans, up as the us as the passionate fanatics that we are, we want more, more, more. We want answers now, now, now. We want our next sequel available next month. And we want to know that there's three more on the way the following month. You know, we, we've gotten to that place where honestly, for me, and I spoke about this a little bit in terms of, you know, on a recent podcast talking about saying goodbye to Game of Thrones and stuff like that. For me, there's so much out there for me to watch and for me to read and for me to listen to. There's so much entertainment out there that for me, it's almost welcome to have a little break, to have a little lull, to be able to digest certain things without the very next thing being right in front of me. 
So right now, in terms of DC Entertainment, like, sure, I'd love to have a Superman movie on the horizon. Sure, you know, I, I'd love to hear that there's going to be a Justice League 2 in the next couple of years. I'd love to hear that Jeff Johns has written an amazing Green Lantern Corps and that they're going to release it in June of 2021. Oh, no, June of 2022. Like, listen, I'd love all of these things. But really, my priority is that all of their currently planned films get all of the attention and focus and support that they need. You know, I, I, I don't need any more of this putting the cart before the horse thing that DC Entertainment was doing there for a while. Right now, I'm happy to see them put all of their attention and focus into making sure the Joker is the gem it has every right to be. To make sure that Kathy Ann and Birds of Prey for their post-production, they're given all of the attention and focus and resources they need to make that film as good and as special as it has every right to be. To give Patty Jenkins and the people working on Wonder Woman 1984, everything they need to make that the true successful follow-up to what is my favorite current DC film. You know, of, of, of the new wave of DC films, to me, there's been nothing better than Wonder Woman. So for me, that sequel, that is a top priority for me. Matt Reeves and James Gunn getting everything they need to make the Batman and the Suicide Squad as absolutely epic as they deserve to be. That's more important to me right now than hearing about some quick green light for Superman. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's just, you know, you got to learn, at least I do, you know, what I've had to learn to do in all of my years is to learn to delay gratification. Look, I'm, Warner Brothers is not going to sit on Superman forever. There will be another Superman movie. So I just got to be patient. It'll happen when it has to happen. And I'd rather it happen organically after the DC Universe has been reborn and rebirthed and has, found, has continued to build this new lease on life that it's been having since last December. I would rather wait till everything's in place for Superman to arrive in a fully functioning, fully healthy, fully beloved Worlds of DC franchise than just, well, let's just get one out there again anyway. Let's just rush this out of the gate. And I know I've spoken about that before, but I just, you know, I feel like people need a reminder of that. Right now, yes, yes, we're in a little bit of a lull, but that's okay. Take a deep breath, enjoy what's come before, pop in your Blu-ray player any disc that reminds you that that's a movie that you will always own forever and enjoy that movie. And then just sit back and wait. All right, things are going to happen at their own rate, at their own pace. And a lot of what's happening is pretty exciting. So just chill out. Um, but okay, so to kind of like expand on some of the other stuff I spoke about in the report. You know, I, I allude to the fact that things seem a little bit unsettled on the Flash front. And just to kind of go into a little more detail here, it's not sounding good about Ezra, folks. You know, I know I've tried to bang the drum and keep the positive vibes going for Miller because I really personally enjoyed him in Justice League. And I have heard conflicting reports about whether or not the studio wants him back or not and all that sort of thing. So I know I've tried my best to keep an optimistic outlook, but it's starting to feel more and more like we might have seen the last of Ezra Miller as The Flash. And if that's the case, that's why... We haven't heard anything about The Flash filming later this year, despite the fact that the original explanation for the film 
you know, the, the film's most recent delay was that Fantastic Beast 3 was the priority for Ezra Miller, you know, at least for the studio and Ezra Miller. But then that got delayed into next year. So now that excuse is gone. Right now, okay, Ezra's basically free to, for the remainder of the year to try to make this Flash movie, or even early next year make this Flash movie, if you really did think that you could have made it anytime sooner. And yet we haven't heard anything, have we? Things have seemingly stalled out over there, and it's really starting to feel like, you know, Miller may be joining Ben Affleck in the former DC stars category. I hope it's not true, but at this point, I've heard it from enough people and from enough people who do this for a living and take it way more seriously than I'm able to. When enough of those kinds of people tell me Ezra's out, it's kind of tying you. I kind of start waving my white flag and thinking, I guess, I guess Ezra's out. Um... But you know that that's kind of on the on the on on the down end of things. On the interesting end of things, with the Suicide Squad, there's all kinds of interesting things to consider, right? So we found out yesterday that Michael Rooker is apparently in talks to play King Shark, which is pretty sweet because you know him and James Gunn have done. I think I think he's been in all of James Gunn's you know directorial projects. He was in Slither, he was in Super, he was in both Guardians of the Galaxies, he was in the Belko Experiment, which Gunn didn't direct, but he produced, similar to Brightburn. You know, Rooker and Gunn go way back, so it doesn't surprise me to hear that Rooker is in talks for a Suicide Squad role, but it is kind of interesting to hear it's King Shark. I mean, I guess, you know, it's... Uh, Gunn must have a very interesting thing in mind for Rooker, because I don't know that he's the first person that comes to mind when we picture a giant humanoid shark but you know good 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 for rooker and good for gun because clearly they like working together so uh, i hope that works out for them um and rooker's been a, a personal favorite of mine for years actually it's funny he's had all this success in these last 10 years or so because of the guardians movies and because of the walking dead but to me he'll always be from cliffhanger the, uh, the Sylvester Stallone movie from the early 90s, which apparently is getting a reboot, because why not? But to me, that's where I know him from. That and Tombstone, which is in my top 10 movies of all time. If you've never seen Tombstone and you like Westerns, or if you're playing Red Dead Redemption 2 right now, like I am, and you're falling in love with the Western genre, and you haven't seen Tombstone in a while or have never seen it, go see it. But... um. You know, like, that that's the era I know Rooker for. So it's kind of interesting that, like, no matter what he's done since, I just picture him in Cliffhanger. You know, or I, or I picture him with a cowboy hat on. Um, but yeah, so Rooker in the Suicide Squad. But what else is going on with the Suicide Squad? I have a brief update for you. Remember that alien femme fatale that I wrote about last month? Apparently that role is pretty sizable and the casting for it is still underway. You know, right now, I've had a chance to look at the official casting breakdowns. I've had a chance to see the official Warner Brothers documentation that they've sent around to managers to try to seek actors to audition for various roles. And this monstrous alien femme fatale, which, by the way, they have her listed as under a, a fake name. They have her under Creature because they don't want to reveal who she is. And I, I know a lot of you think it might be Rampage, and it very well could be. But from what I'm hearing, 
the role is pretty substantial. Yeah, at the time when I first heard about it, I wasn't sure if this was just going to be like some you know character we bump into in one scene, or if this was going to be perhaps like one of the main villains, or perhaps a member of Task Force X, you know, a member of the Suicide Squad. I don't necessarily know which one of those things is true, but I do know now that it's not a small role. She's, you know, the creature is listed right up there with all these other major characters like Ratcatcher and Polka Dot Man and King Shark. Creature is right up there with them. And I'm also going to throw a couple more, you know, code names in there for you. They're also looking for someone who they've codenamed the General, which, by the way, that's very interesting. Because if you search, there is a character, a DC character, a sort of obscure one called the General, who does have a relationship to the Suicide Squad. Now, I don't know if this is that same general who also has this weird twisted mythology where they call him the Shaggy Man or he was one of the Shaggy Mans. You know, listen, there, <laughs> there are some oddball characters in this uh, in the DC universe and I feel like James Gunn's going to be exploring a lot of them. But yeah, right now in the script there's a character being, you know, who's called the General. And then there's another character being referred to as the Mayor. So I don't know who those people are supposed to be, but I know that they're also kind of listed there. They're currently being actively sought after. And when it comes specifically to the general and the mayor, both of them, they're seeking Hispanic or Latino actors for. So I find that pretty interesting and I'm glad to hear it. I'm happy to hear that, uh, that Mr. Gunn is looking for some fellow Latinos out there. J James, if you're watching this, no, I'm kidding. But, um, well, yeah, so I just kind of want to put that on your radar. You know, I would not be surprised to hear about some other interesting castings from James Gunn's The Suicide Squad because that seems to be actively happening. And I feel like we're going to be getting official or, or you know, we're going to be getting all these kinds of rumors for the next couple of weeks or months, probably leading up to San Diego Comic-Con when they give us some sort of big, you know, unveiling, something along those lines. So we'll see. Um, and then there's another rumor that just hit the web this morning, and I want to talk to you about it, about Idris Elba, who we know is in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, but he began his life in that project as a replacement to Will Smith. He was going to play Deadshot, and then, about a month or so later, we found out, never mind, they're going to rewrite his parts that he's not Deadshot, but rather a new character to the Suicide Squad universe. A lot of people think it might be Bronze Tiger. But today, the latest rumor is that maybe he's going to be Deathstroke. Now, for some of you, including myself, actually, that sounds pretty upsetting, right? Because they already have a Deathstroke. They introduced us to a Deathstroke at the end of Justice League, right? They had Joe Manganiello playing Deathstroke at the end of Justice League. And now Idris Elba is gonna play him. He's instead of replacing Will Smith, he's replacing Joe Manganiello, and he's going from dead shot to death stroke. What's next? Is he gonna be the new Deadpool? Anyway, sorry, I don't know why I got I went into that mode, but whatever, why not? It's my show. Anyway. Um so what do we think of this? What do I think of this? I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. Because this rumor doesn't come from a trade. It doesn't even come from... It, it literally is just somebody tweeted. Somebody who has, I believe, rights for a site or has a podcast. They have a little blue check mark, which is, you know, all right. But all they did was 
they tweeted something out that said something along the lines of hearing some interesting things about Idris Elba's role in the Suicide Squad. Then as a separate question in the same tweet goes, how would we feel if he was Deathstroke? And everyone's like rushing to write articles about this. And it's like, personally for me, I need a little more to work on than that. All right. I, I need to hear that from someone a little farther up on high. All right. Because I have not personally heard that. And that's why, honestly, for me, it's hard for me to get too bent out of shape about the potential recasting of Joe Manganiello. I don't know that that's happened yet. So for those of you who are, who are worried about that or excited about that, no matter how you're feeling about it, my, my advice to you is hold off. Put that, that, that excitement or that fear on the wall and stick a pin in it and wait until later to come back and revisit it. Because I personally have not heard anything like that, and I, you know, a few I've spoken to a few other colleagues, and they haven't heard that either. It's possible, but for now, I, I I'm just going to be very skeptical about this whole Idris Elba as death as Deathstroke thing. Do I do I think he could pull it off? Sure, I think Idris Elba is incredibly talented and could pull off any of these characters. But Deathstroke, I don't know. There's a part of me where I'm just not quite sold on this rumor. So I guess we know, we'll have to wait and see. But regardless, just remember the source. This wasn't from some big-time article. This wasn't from an in-depth report from a, from a major journalist. This didn't come from some sort of you know tried-and-true verified source. This came from a fellow on Twitter who shared that they'd heard some interesting things and then posited a hypothetical about how would we feel if he was Deathstroke. And that's it. I know in this day and age, we all like to respond to whatever little crumb or morsel hits the net, but we gotta like, we gotta chill a little bit. We gotta chill a little bit. And that's why personally for me, you know, I alluded to this a couple weeks ago, but I've been really sort of looking at how I disseminate information and, and really like what I want to be known for. And I don't necessarily want to be known for scoops and for intel because of stuff like this. Because every little thing you say on Twitter suddenly blows up. Everyone adds their own expectations, their own fears, their own excitement, their own whatever. They, they view whatever you put out there through their own prism and suddenly a narrative is born. And suddenly, and, and I don't really, like, on one hand, that's exciting. It's exciting to know, oh, wow, my word carries some weight. People are, you know, anxiously awaiting something or they're reading a lot into something I said or this, this or that. But on the other hand, it gets to be a bit much. It gets to be a bit much and it kind of sucks the fun out of it for me that like I can't just seemingly share something that I find cool or I can't just casually mention, oh yeah, there's a little word on the street about something. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it plays out without that turning into a big story or that becoming this thing now where now months later, people are asking about a rumor that I was only sort of casually wanting to discuss with you. So that's why for me, for personally, and for me personally, I don't know why I'm so stuttery today. I shouldn't have guzzled all that espresso before recording, maybe. Um, yeah, for me personally, you know, I want to be more, known more as someone who analyzes this stuff, as an analyst, as a commentator who occasionally hears cool things and shares them with you, but not necessarily a scoop guy. Because then you end up with stuff like what happened earlier this week. I noticed on Sunday, 
I mentioned simply that, oh, I get to write about my favorite subject tomorrow. You know, and I was referring to DC Entertainment. I put a, I tweeted that with a GIF of the DC Entertainment opening thing, which just shows the DC logo and all the heroes. Because I was just letting you know I was going to be working on that State of the DC Union report. But since I said, you know, I'm working on my favorite subject and it's DC related, right away people started going, oh, is it a DC scoop? Is this, uh, you, you find out about the next Superman movie? Is this going to be a Batman thing? And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I didn't, you know, I, I don't, it just, it, it, things take on a life of their own sometimes. And while that's cool, I just, I, I don't want it to suddenly overtake and, and overwhelm what it is I'm actually here to do. What I'm actually here to do is share my love of all this stuff with you, hopefully help you love it more, and give you information that perhaps helps round out your enjoyment of these things. That's really what I see my responsibility to you as. And I guess I'm gonna wrap up today talking a little bit about what's going on tonight. Tonight, I'm gonna get to see Avengers Endgame for a second time. Yes, my rewatch that I've been very keen to do uh, I'm going to finally get to do tonight. And I'm excited to do it for a couple of reasons. And it's funny because it, they've morphed since the first time I saw the film. When I first saw the film, it was I wanted to see it again immediately because of how much I loved it and how I wanted to relive it. And I wanted to stay in that space. I wanted to get back there that very weekend if possible so I can go back to that space and enjoy this movie again. But in the two weeks since I've seen the film, it sort of evolved more. Now I want to see it more out of a curiosity. I want to see it more out of a curiosity because there's certain elements of the time travel, of the science, of the way that they handled some of this multiverse stuff that they brought into the fray, some of the interesting things they did at the conclusion of that film. There are certain things about all that that I'm not quite sure hold up under any scrutiny. And if you listen to this week's The Revengers podcast, you heard me kind of come out swinging a little bit at some of the way the Russos and Marcus and McFeely, the screenwriters, have been sort of disagreeing about certain fundamental aspects of the logic in their time travel, you know, storytelling conceit. And so when I see it tonight, it's going to be interesting to like see how I experience the film now and see if the film does indeed fill in those blanks that in these last two weeks, those blanks or those gaps have seemed like fairly huge, fairly insurmountable at times where it almost has me wondering like, is the entire world going to get buyer's remorse on Avengers Endgame after they heaped so much praise and money and attention on it? Are they then going to turn around and go, well, that was fun and all, but does it make a lick of sense? You know, that, that, that is my deep down dark concern when it comes to Avengers Endgame. So I'm going to watch it again tonight to see if maybe I'm overreacting. See if maybe my fears are unfounded and the answers are indeed there. And I was just, you know, I, I just missed it in all of the excitement of what was going on in that movie. That's entirely possible. And of course, I'm going to have Brett from the Revengers sitting next to me, and I'm sure he's going to yell at me all throughout the movie and say all kinds of, see, see, because yeah, he's convinced it all works, or at the very least that it hardly matters that it doesn't work. So, you know, he and I are going to have another little talk after this movie, after we've witnessed it a second time together, because I'm very curious to see what a second viewing does to how I view Avengers Endgame. Overall, look, I still enjoy it. 
It was still a very good ride. I'm probably more like what Rob Marrera said. Rob Marrera was on our Revengers uh, Assemble Endgame Roundtable. And he gave it more of a B plus. I was in the A's. I gave it like an A minus. Yeah, my, my my true score for Endgame is probably more of a B or a B plus as well. Now that I've kind of like come to grips with certain things. But either way, I'm going to see it tonight. And I'm excited to see it tonight. Because no matter what, this is a big event movie. And I, I like being part of big events. And this time I'm going to have my wife with me. She didn't get to come to the watch party we held two weeks ago. So this is going to be her first time. And that's going to be interesting in and of itself for me. Because I always like bringing a diverse group with me. So I can hear all the different opinions. So you're going to have my wife, who's more of a casual fan. She's seen probably 15 or so of these Marvel movies. And she has a general investment in them. But she's by no means a hardcore fan. She has skipped a bunch of them. And in general, she's not, you know, she's not someone like me who lives and breathes this stuff. So it's going to be intriguing for me once the credits roll for me to turn to her and go, well, Chris, what did you think? And again, I'll let you, I'll let you know what she thinks. But, um, and I'm also curious to see if any of my issues, if any of my stuff about the time travel paradoxes, if any of that stuff worries her or concerns her or hinders her enjoyment of the movie as it, as it kind of has for me retrospectively. So overall, tonight almost feels like it'll be a social experiment to get to go see Avengers Endgame again now, two weeks later, with some added knowledge and some added perspective and see if the movie can either answer my questions or make them worse or make them more, uh, you know, add to the negative implications of certain questions of mine. So, you know what, folks? I have to go pick up my kids. I have to go get ready for the for my Avengers Endgame rewatch. I hope you go and read the State of the DC Union report that I just put over on revengeofthefans.com. And just a heads up, next week there will not be a new The Revengers podcast, but there will indeed be episode 96 of The Fanboy. So everyone, until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios. Thank you.